Hi, glad you're with us today. This is Pastor Rick. Welcome to On Demand. I want to talk today about justice. We're in a series where we talk about how people end up trapped in places that are unfair. It's called Trapped in Injustice. It's a story about how Peter, in Acts chapter 10, was in a place where he was really trapped in a bias and didn't know it. He didn't know where he was, and God wanted to set him free. But in order to set him free, he had to get him to travel the distance, 30-plus miles to freedom. I don't know how far your freedom is, but I promise you sometime it's not as close as you think. You have to meet some people, go some places, and change your philosophy. It's a great study. You don't want to miss it. In the book of Acts chapter 10, get ready for a journey. We'll be back in just a minute to pray for you, but I promise you, buckle up. This will help you learn how to pack your bags and go to a new place in your life. Stay right there. Well, glad you're back. Listen, I want to jump in the river with you a little bit, share a word that's going to help you. Today, we're going to talk about Trapped by Injustice. This is going to be part three in our series. And I'm going to focus our attention on something that I think will be very helpful to you. Now, if you are not used to our sermon notes, sermon notes are available to you. You can click on right there and uh, you can get those notes. It'd be a blessing to you. You can follow me along. There's almost always other information on the notes that will help you, links and take you to different parts of uh, the Bible study that would be helpful to you. So get that and don't miss out on those great gifts. Now, I want to take you to a topic that is designed to help you travel a distance. The major question we're trying to answer is why people don't do what they say they're going to do. That's been our question for the year. And one of the reasons I think people don't do what they say they're going to do is because they're trapped in a place too long. And we talked about that last time we were together and in our previous series. And I went through this whole conversation about how people get trapped in the wrong place, how Israel got trapped in Egypt for way too long. And that's why they ended up not being able to do the things they dreamed to do. Then in this study, in this series, uh, this is our second series for the year, I, I, I twitched gears a bit. And I talked about being trapped in injustice. And during this month when we're trying to look back at our history and trying to put things in perspective, there's a lot of questions people have about justice and injustice, and people define that differently. So please don't get nervous. Stay with me. Uh, give me a chance to explain uh, from, an in, from another angle how easy it is for people to be trapped in injustice. And this is everybody. Black people, white people, small people, big people, educated, uneducated, doesn't matter. Anybody can be trapped in injustice. Uh, there is a book that we're going to highlight that I think would be very helpful, and it's called Cast, and it's by a lady named Isabel Wilkerson. And in this book, there is a lot of conversation, I'm going to quote in just a minute, that will help you see how easy it is for to put somebody in a caste system, to lock them into this little definition that we have of them, and we we view them a certain way. And that's our, quote, definition. India is really known for having a caste system where people are defined by certain levels of, of status. And that's true in Europe. It's true, been true around the world and surely true here in America that we have had a historical caste system uh, that's divided by race, black, white, Hispanic, Asian. And we label people and define people by those, those labels. But before I get there, I want to show you a guy named Peter who was really steeped in a caste system. His view of the world, his view of life, his view of people was completely shaped by his uh, culture. He was a Jew and everybody else was a Gentile. And in Acts chapter 10, I want you to notice that there was this incredible moment where Peter found himself lost, distracted, and, and this became this dominant concern in his life. 
And I want to read, if I can, Isabel's comments, if I can, because she gave some really powerful thoughts. Here's what she said. Americans are loath to talk about enslavement in part because what little we know about it goes against our perception of our country as a just and enlightened nation, a beacon of democracy for the world. Slavery is commonly dismissed as a sad, dark chapter in the country's history. It is as if the greater the, dis the distance we can create between slavery and ourselves, the better to, to starve or stave off the guilt or shame it introduced. Now, I want you to think about that for a minute. Basically, she says, it's very hard for us to travel the distance. It's, it's hard for us. We're trying to keep as far away from us as we can the truth about our history. And I want to say this to you. Our history is painful, but I believe our history still has promise. And I believe that there are times in life when you have to travel the distance to face your history and grow. Peter had to do that. Because Peter was very much against fellowshipping, hanging out with anybody that was not a Jew. And you'll, you'll notice in his writings in Acts chapter 10, he, say, he says that. He says that because some guys come to his house in Acts chapter 10, and they come and we talked about this the last, in our last study. They basically wanted him uh, to come and meet their master, Cornelius. And the reason that Cornelius sent them was he felt that God had put, put uh, Peter in his mind in a dream and said, I want you to go. Find this guy, and I want you to bring him to, uh, to your house, and I want, he's going to show you how to go to the next level in your spiritual growth. Cornelius sent these guys. They go to get Peter. Peter is reluctant. Peter is reluctant, but understand, Peter, like I said in the last sermon, Peter had to go because these were the people that can lead him to a better place. So not only would Cornelius grow, but Peter would grow. Both would grow. Both would evolve. Both men would be blessed and lifted if they met each other. That's God's plan. That's how God works, by the way. He will not let you grow alone. I know some of you, you know, I, I like the Bible study and the digital stuff and being able to study at home, but you need a friend. You need somebody in your life to embrace you and challenge you. If you grow alone, you'll grow crooked. You won't, you, you, need, you need accountability, you need exchange. You need somebody to look at you and say, that don't go together. You need somebody to look at you and say, what are you wearing that for? You need somebody to say, why do you think that way? They need to, you need that in your life, and we'll see how Peter had to go through that experience and how it helped him. He had to travel a distance. He had to go a few miles in order to see God's best plan. Now, let me, if I can, let, I want you to listen to this statement. We, we are being tempted in our culture to not travel back in time, to review our history. The pain in our past is painful, but our future has great potential. I believe that there's something that we should try to run from. And you can try. You can do all you can to escape it. And I see this effort to ignore the past. And somehow that's going to help us. It's not. All it's going to do is harm you. So I want you to think about that. And I want you to look at your life and weigh out the power of change. Now, look at Acts chapter 10, verse 23. Watch Peter now, who's going to be pushed, pushed to try and hear something and do something he's never thought of doing. Acts 10, look at verse 20, 23. The next day, after these guys visited Peter, Peter started out with them and some of the believers from Joppa. He went along. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea, Cornelius, was expecting them 
and had called together his relatives and close friends. 30 miles of travel, 30 miles of distance to get to this new place. 30 miles. These guys come to his house, say our master Cornelius sent us to listen. Um, he wants to talk to you. Uh, he had a vision and he needs. To, and so Peter agrees to go with these Gentiles. That's a big step because these are not his friends. These are not the people that Peter is used to. And he's struggling with this decision. But he goes. And I want to say there are three things I want you to notice. I call these traveling sacrifices Peter had to make to fix his injustice. Now, understand this. Peter had an unjust view that needed to be fixed. Injustice was in his heart. He didn't like Gentiles. He didn't want to be around them. He thought that they were not good enough or whatever. And to fix this, he had to travel. And there are three things I want you to notice. He had to travel with Gentiles and break the cultural and legal rules around him. He had to go against those rules, what I call his ethnic rules. He had to ignore them. And some of you have been like that. I don't hang around Hispanic people. I don't hang around. And you got all these rules. In order for you to get to the place that God wants you to be, to get you out of the trap of injustice, you have to travel beyond that thinking. Secondly, he had to travel without a clear sense of how he would succeed. Kind of like an entrepreneur, right? I call this the entrepreneur boldness had to rise in his heart. He had to say, look, I know this is different, but I'm going to travel beyond this. I'm going to, I don't know how it's going to turn out. I don't know who, who I'm going to meet. I'm not sure who Cornelius is. I'm not, but I, I know that he knew he had to make this bold step because in the vision God gave him before he came, before the guys came to his home, it was a vision of a sheet falling down. And if you remember, the, the vision was he told Peter, slay and eat. And they were animals and things that Peter didn't eat. And then God said to him, don't call anything I've made common or unclean. There had to be this moment in Peter's life where Peter was willing to make a trip. I'm going to tell you something. If you're not willing to be a little bit confused, you're not going to get far. There had to be this moment where he traveled and he was a little bit confused, a little bit off, a little bit uncomfortable. And he says so, and you'll see more in a minute. Thirdly, he had to travel philosophically to discover uh, the true convictions he needed to change. I call it critical thinking. His thinking had to be challenged. You know, sometimes our philosophy hinders us. You're, and I'm going to say this to religious people. You, you're so saved. Let me tell you, you are so saved. I know you saved now. You super saved. Okay. But you can be wrong. Your, your philosophical Pentecostal view of the world is not the only view in the world. Your Baptist view of the world, your Episcopal view, your Catholic view, all these views that are so perfect all have some imperfections in them. Jesus is perfect, not you, not me, not us. We're on the growing side of this. Now, what's interesting is when you look at Peter, there's some questions I want you to think about, some questions Peter's travel inspired me to ponder. Here they are. Number one, how far are you willing to travel to find God's best plan for you? How, will, how far are you willing to travel? How far will you go to find God's plan for you? Number two, would you consider traveling to another set of friends? The friends you have are nice friends, but they're not, they're not going to get you there. You're going to have to say, look, I need to fix my life up, get my life on track here, because I need some new friends. 
These friends aren't going to get me there. Would you consider traveling through a painful conversation? A painful conversation. See, when I say distance, I'm not just talking about miles. Peter traveled 30 plus miles. I'm talking about traveling through a painful conversation to get your marriage to a better place, to get your kids' relationship to a better place. Notice with me, the distance between here and justice was, was painful for some. And fourthly, can you travel through the criticism of others? Can you travel through that moment when people criticize you knowing your truth? They may not be right, but can you travel the, route, the road with them? I mean, it's, 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 this is a guy, I want you to hear this now. He was in a place where he was about to miss God's best plan for him. There were things he would never be able to do, never be able to have, if he couldn't make this crossing. He had to travel a distance, philosophically, emotionally, mentally. He had to get up. His, and it wasn't just going on the, on, the, on the horse ride or donkey ride or the walk, however they got there. That wasn't it. There was, there was a, and, and he says so when he gets to the house, by the way. If you read Acts chapter 10, he says, you know, I don't do this. You know, I don't hang with people who are not Jews. I don't hang with people like you guys. I don't, I don't, I don't know. And, but he said, but God showed me I shouldn't call anything he's made common or unclean. How far will you travel? I'm not traveling anywhere. I'm, look, I'm in the word. The word. I got the word. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I know you got the word, don't you? You got you perfect. You got everything. And I'm telling you, that's what we treat you, teach people. We teach people not to critically think. We teach people it's hard. It's so hard. It's so hard. Can I just get off this for a second? Because I'm going to talk more about this. If you've listened to my sermon series I've done called um, Mr. Money, if you go back to it's a Wednesday night series I did called Getting Along with Mr. Money. And in the first sermon I did, I talked about how easy it is, how hard it is rather for Christians to even hear certain things because of the way they've been taught. For example, Christians have been taught to be so positive, you can't hear that you almost broke. I'm the head, not the tail, above and not, not beneath. Greater is he that's in me than he's in the world. And you don't have money to pay your bills. You know what's hard? You've been taught to think a way that doesn't allow you to critically think, analyze, change your direction. You can't adapt. So you're stuck. Your kids don't like you with your saved self. They don't want to go to your church. They don't want to hear you preach. They don't even want to hear you talk about God because they think you mean. Back up the train a minute. Maybe they're right. I mean, can you travel the distance? Can you travel through your pride? Can you travel through your parents? You are a wonderful woman. But girl, you're hard to deal with. You're difficult to manage. Could it be that they're right about you? Is that something you can consider? Or you can't travel that distance? You can't travel through. I learned something. I've had more schooling than I ever thought I would in my life, trust me. Won't say how much, but a lot. And I'll tell you, it was powerful. Every time I've been in a program, whether it was in an undergrad, a doctor, whatever program I'm in, man, doesn't matter what it's been in. I got the moments when I was like at a dead end. And you know what I had to do? Wait. Travel the distance. I had, it's almost like getting in a car. And I had to say, all right, all right, I got to get there. So what I'd do is I'd get in and I'd drive. Drive through the snow. 
drive through the confusion, drive through the heat. I had to drive. Some of you need to drive through your processing. And so this is the moment where Peter had to do that. Man of God, walked with Jesus, had a lot of credentials. Yes, I was there with Jesus walking on the water. I, he could tell all his stories. I saw Jesus heal the sick and raise the dead. He was present. But in this moment, he was unjust. He had racial bias and couldn't see it. And, and the challenge was, will you get in the, and will you get into the wagon or the horse or whatever and travel the distance to this guy's house? And then will you listen to the conversation? Cornelius had a vision that God said you were the guy who could show him how to know God and how to come to another level in life. He said, that's your job. That was the moment. Let me tell you what happened. It, it transformed his life. If you read the rest of the story, Peter changed. He did. He changed. And the change was profound. Here's what happened to him. He led them to God. The whole family got saved. And it was profound. It was a moment of redemption in Acts chapter 10. Read it on your own. It's a great story. Now, I read that and I thought about my life, and I want to close with a couple of thoughts. You know, in my life, I look back and I remember having to travel 2,144 miles. I looked it up during the, what is called the Great Migration. Between the year of 1916 and 1970, 6 million African-Americans moved from the South to either North or the middle of the country, or the West. I didn't realize that I was a part of that migration. 1964, the year that the Jim Crow laws were outlawed, that's when our family moved to Savannah, moved from Savannah, Georgia, to Los Angeles, my mom and I, as a single parent. And I remember we rode with my aunt, and in that migration that we were a part of, something profound happened. God had a plan for me. But God's plan required 2,144 miles of travel. The distance between where I was born in Savannah, Georgia, and where I needed to be raised, which is Los Angeles, California, there was a lot of miles in between that. And I'm saying to you, sometimes for God's will to happen in your life, it's not around the corner. It's just not. Then I thought about this. I had to travel the same distance, 2,144 miles, back to Savannah once I was raised in Los Angeles and in college to meet Diane, my wife. Love was 2,144 miles away. I had to travel a distance to receive God's best for my life. I love this one. I was raised down the street from University of Southern California, USC, the Trojans. I used to ride my bike through USC. It was 0.8 miles from my house, less than a mile from my house. My university, where I went to school for my undergrad, was a school that I'm very proud of, Life Pacific University, and it was 10 miles from my house. I had to run, ride past USC to get to Life Pacific, which at that time was in, on Glendale Boulevard in Los Angeles by Echo Park. I had to drive 10 miles to get to my, my place that would spark my academic hunger. I didn't need to go to a USC. I needed to go to a small school that majored in theology that I loved and cared about, the theology part of it I loved and cared about. That inspired my academic passion. I said all that to say, sometimes it's not around the corner. Sometimes it's down the street. 
And so sometimes you have to travel the distance. Now, can you do that? My school career, my wife were thousands of miles away and required expense, time, and patience. All that was required for me to get to God's best plan for my life. Will you wait for God's best plan for you? Will you travel the distance to learn? Now, you can hear this story about Peter and be, oh, man, that was nice. That was incredible. That was amazing. And, and, and just not make any trips yourself. This is about you being willing to make a trip. Our church right now is in that journey. Our lives right now are different. Our schedule is different. We're moving in a different pace, all because I believe to get to where God wants us to be, we have to be rested, we have to be clear, and we have to be willing to change our approach. And if we can't change our approach, we won't be free. We won't be blessed. And what will happen is we will pass down to the next generation something that is not good. See, what I believe is if Peter didn't change, his children wouldn't change. If Peter didn't change, a lot around him and his culture would never change. If I don't make the distance, if I don't travel the distance now, it will affect my children, my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren for years. Some of you are suffering things today because you didn't travel the distance. Your family wouldn't travel the distance. Next time when we gather, I'm going to do part four, and I want to give you a little, little sample of what I want to talk about. The sermon's called this, Facing Our Inherited Condition. Facing Our Inherited Condition. What did you inherit from your family? What part of the way you are today is tied to somebody in your past? Your attitude towards love, towards life. What is the condition of what was passed to you? when it was given to you. I love the book, as I mentioned earlier, Isabel Wilkerson's book, where she talked about America's a house. And our racial attitudes, our ethnic attitudes were passed down to us. Some of you may say, I didn't create those racial stories. I didn't create slavery, for example. I didn't, I didn't do women wrong. I, okay, that's true. Maybe you didn't personally do it. But the house was passed to you, and now you own it. As the owner of the house, it's our responsibility to fix the creeks and the deferred maintenance in the house. One of the things I've learned about pastoring a, a, business, a facility, a church, a, a business-type building, is that there's a lot of deferred maintenance. There's a lot of maintenance. There's pipes, there's roofs, there's, and if you defer it, put it off, it only gets worse. You can't ignore it. And I think a lot of times we try to ignore what was broken, what was given to us. Our communication was broken. Our attitudes were broken. So what was the true condition of what was given to you? Here's another question. Was the house you were left in good condition? We'll talk about that. Was the house you were left in good condition? Sometimes the honest answer is no, it wasn't. It was bad condition. Here's number three. If you left your kids your current home today, what condition is it in? Right now, you, do, you drop dead, and your kids got your house. What has to be fixed? Here's the last one. Ready? How much debt? Well, maybe two more. How much debt would they need to pay off if you were to leave today? Today. What's the condition of, of the house you're leaving them? I see this in funerals all the time. Not enough money to bury you. And you're not making any plans to prepare for that. 
It can be 4,000, 6,000. A lot of people are using cremation now because they can't afford anything else. How much cash will they have? How much resource will they, will they get? There is a trap that's unjust. And a lot of that is because we, in this present state, don't pay attention. I saw this guy travel all the way from where he was. And he said, you know, I'm in Joppa. I got to go to Caesarea. I'm going to have my guys put that up on the screen for you. I want you to see in the notes I have a special little picture of what Joppa looks like and a special little picture of what Caesarea looks like. That's modern-day Joppa right there. That's where they traveled from. And then they traveled to Caesarea, and it's really important to see that this, this distance from Joppa to Caesarea was a, was a trip that took about 30 hours to do. The question is, would you, would you travel, I'm sorry, 30 miles, would you travel those miles? They're modern cities today, but they had a great history and taught us a great lesson. Here's my prayer. My prayer is that you would travel the distance you need to to get to the best place God has for you. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray that this message today has inspired people to travel. Travel through conversations, travel to distant lands if necessary. Pick up the phone, sit through a conversation. Pray for healing. I pray for blessing. I pray for strength. I pray for wisdom. And I pray, God, that your power would bring healing and grace. I thank you so much for the difference you make. I pray, God, that your hand of grace would heal. I pray, God, that your hand of grace would strengthen. I pray, God, that you would help us to see the power of this moment and the power of what it means to be willing to travel the distance. It's not going to be around the corner all the time. Sometimes it's right there, down the road, a few miles down the road. Another book, another, another degree can change my life, another job, another career. I must be willing to travel the distance to receive your best in my life. I pray I would never be afraid. May we learn from Peter's example. He had to travel to see his own pride and arrogance. Paul had to confront him once and say, Peter, you haven't traveled far enough. And in Galatians chapter two, he had to challenge him and say, hey, you haven't gone far enough yet. You've got to stop being, being with the Jews one way and with the Gentiles another. It was painful to have that conversation with Peter, but that was a good moment. Some of us need to see ourselves and it's hard. Preachers need to see themselves. We're asking too much from people sometimes. We're not managing well sometimes. We're not being clear sometimes. Help us, Lord God, to grow. And I give you all the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for being with me today. Thank you for letting me share the word with you. I pray it's helped your life. I pray that you would travel the distance. I pray that you would not allow yourself to be intimidated or afraid. And I pray that you would rise above your own insecurities. God's able to bless you and help you. Some of you right now, you've been talking about coming to Jesus, but you haven't traveled the distance. You haven't given your life to Christ. You've been talking about it, but you never made the decision. You've been saying it, but you never get in the car and drive. Today, I want to pray this prayer for you. That this would be the day that they would surrender their lives to you, Lord. They would travel the distance. And that's just by simply praying a prayer. That's the distance. Jesus, come into my life. I surrender my life to you. Thank you for forgiving me. I've been off track, out of your will. Let this be that moment of healing for them, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I pray you're blessed by the sermon today. I really believe that you can get trapped in injustice. Somebody can tie you up 
put you in a place you didn't expect to be. But I love the way that Peter philosophically traveled through his thoughts and grew. I love the way he allowed someone to bring him to a new place. It helped him and everybody he impacted. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for those today who've heard this message. May they open their hearts to new ways of thinking. May they travel the distance to grow in Jesus' name. Amen. My name is Pastor Ricky Temple and Georgia being with us today. See you next time. I got one more thing to say about this. You don't want to miss it, my friend. It's going to help you rebuild your future and help you get free from the trap of injustice. See you next time. Bye-bye.